0: And I think for me, climbing in, in many ways has helped me evolve, accept, and, and embrace my identity. It has helped me work through a lot of, you know,
1: internal strife. Now, welcome back to another episode of the Color Reimagine podcast presented to you by People of Color Clothing. Today, we have a very special guest, Sam, one of the founders of the Corvallis Climbers of Color. And today, we talk about identity, navigating STEM, and her finding community in the outdoors.
0: I went to UW uh, in Seattle and uh, got my uh, bachelor's in like mechanical engineering, but I definitely say like, I I felt like kind of like the odd one out as a mechanical engineer. Um, I did probably everything that was maybe non-traditional, at least what I thought at the time. And I was really fascinated with the world of uh, like nanotechnology and uh, pursued very much like a research track and kind of had set myself up for, you know, pursuing a PhD in that field, but uh, kind of had like a, maybe a core life crisis, Uh, maybe perhaps a lot of seniors go through that and realize that's maybe not what I wanted to do. And I didn't want to go to grad school directly after undergrad and realize I wanted to see the world Um, Learn more about myself and decided to pursue industry, worked at a big engineering, like corporate firm for a good number of years, and then decided to go back to grad school right before actually like during 2020, um, following like a layoff and a few other like big life transitions. And it kind of clicked Mm -hmm. into place. And that's kind of the journey that I've taken so far. And now I'm pursuing grad school also in mechanical engineering, but in a fairly like different Field.
1: That's dope. What inspired this curiosity for understanding system and engineering and stuff like that? Like, what inspired the, the curiosity going into you, Doug?
0: Ooh, um, I think since I was young,
1: mm-hmm.
0: trying to understand like the complexities around me was something that I was always fascinated with. Maybe because like in my life, uh, like growing up with like three different cultures and being surrounded by that and trying to always understand where my place was in the world and how I fit in, particularly like um, what could I do was maybe always something that like was in the backdrop that I was maybe subconsciously like aware of, uh, probably not self-aware of at the time, but that was always kind of like a drive. And I, I'm really fortunate to like have exposure like to like the cultures that I grew up with. I'm like, I'm Chinese Korean. And so those two things were always like very present you know in my home life but realizing that i grew up in a very like white neighborhood in a suburb of seattle realizing that was very different kind of was like a sign or like a message like okay like i'm definitely not the norm here mm-hmm. and uh how does my identity fit in with everything that's going around me
1: and that's that's really cool like it's really cool to to kind of see how that exposure is kind of like in the inspiration has led up to you being in crevallis pursuing your master's in mechanical engineering. Right. Earlier in our conversation, you said that, you know, being at UW and being in mechanical engineering was somewhat, you didn't use the word uncomfortable, but you kind of said something along those lines in regards to like being in that that educational environment. Like, what did you mean by that?
0: In, you know, at UW, and I think in many other programs, engineering programs, like you are oftentimes the only like woman, um, mm-hmm. oftentimes the only person of color in your classes. and. Uh, I was very fortunate to have like a really tight-knit group of other like um women to like, you know, weather uh, engineering with. And uh, and I think back then I don't think I was perhaps like aware enough to realize like what it meant to like kind of develop and like grow in that environment. I think you know, the the image of you know meritocracy was still something that was like pushed, like, oh, if you like work harder, you mm-hmm. will still be treated the same as like your fellow classmates and you'll still get the same job prospects or whatever um, opportunities. And I think a lot of people like hold on to that and see engineering as a very objective technical field. But of course, like it's not, <laughs> and nothing is, but that's kind of what we tell ourselves in these academic institutions. And so it's really interesting to come back to grad school after, you know, five years, like in industry and Mm-hmm. kind of come with a different lens kind of see like yes i'm entering an institution again that upholds a lot of systemic like racism and like a lot of injustice that we see in society reckoning with like okay like what is my place and what is my privilege and power you know coming back as a grad student and uh, oh, sure. so it's it's been definitely like a journey but i'm seeing like a more positive trend in academia to reckon with like their role in like creating these institutions that uphold like power structures.
1: Yeah. And I would imagine a mechanical engineering is a is a field that's dominated by males, white males specifically. So even navigating that, that environment as a woman of color, I can only imagine is at points frustrating. And almost having to prove yourself um, from a, an academia standpoint, plus, you know, you have the professional experience. So it sounds like going from like you dub And now you know five years later being in corvallis in a grad program it kind of sounds like the environment really hasn't changed much or the demographic within the environment hasn't changed much is it safe to say that
0: uh yeah i think it's um probably safe to say that and it's something that i've it was kind of funny coming back i was like oh like i wonder if a lot has changed you know in that Mm -hmm. time Um, And I think there has been like some definitely measurable progress in terms of like discussing mental health of you know yeah with COVID obviously and like making sure that we put our health and well-being first um, over like grades and uh, you know emphasizing the rigor of the education Um, Mm -hmm. and so I, I definitely appreciate that and like people are a lot more open talking about their mental health and I think the stigma is um, you know, the more we talk about, it, the less it's becoming more of kind of like a taboo topic, um, which is kind of funny because like in my undergrad, we, we didn't really talk too much about that stuff. And so I'm glad to see that kind of positive trend in towards acknowledging like where we're at, especially during the pandemic and having to go through like Zoom school and create, you know, how do you create relationships, maintain relationships during um, these really like stressful, strange and scary times.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I think it says a lot about yourself that you are able to navigate these spaces um, that are male dominated and not necessarily pioneer space, because I'm sure there's been engineering engineers before you, um, but allowing your presence to be seen, allowing your presence to be felt in, in a way that, um, again, kind of creates an element of space, an element of intrigue and curiosity for other people who may identify as you or, or women or other women or anything like that to come in and like say, you know what, I'm going to take up space in mechanical engineering. Like, I think that's, that's really dope to see. Um, and I guess that kind of segue into your passion for the outdoors. Um, I, I heard you mention Corvallis climbers of color. And I know that's a, that's a, you know, somewhat of a new group, um, new chapter in Corvallis, but it's kind of dope to, to see. And I talked to somebody yesterday who's actually participated in some of the uh, BIPOC nights. Oh, um, sweet. That, yeah, that, that puts on, that Corvallis Climbers of Color mm-hmm. put on. It was kind of cool to see how important, not necessarily important, but how meaningful that space it was to him, you know, being a transplant mm-hmm. from Arizona and mm-hmm. seeking that community and seeking that space where he feels comfortable to be within. He was like, you know, being in that space to where and seeing other BIPOC, either seeing other um, people that's passionate about the outdo- outdoors and just you know being able to speak a certain language um, of understanding with people uh, meant a lot to him. And it was kind of cool to see how impactful Corvallis Climbers of Color has been up until this point, and it's still it's kind of still in its infancy, which is kind of cool. Yeah. But to <laughs> see that that impact is already there, um, can you kind of speak into how you got into Corvallis Climbers of Color? I think this is like
0: kind of a story that. Mm-hmm is representative, I hope a lot of people, I hope some people relate to it. But uh, so essentially, I moved to Corvallis summer 2020, um, following like a layoff, um, other personal like life events and transitions. Um, And so moved here knowing no one. And uh, this was kind of the start of the pandemic. Um, Mm -hmm. And it kind of gave me a chance, I think, to start over. Um, yeah. but I was also very sad to like leave my Portland community um, and in Portland I had the great fortune of joining um, like Portland Climbers of Color um, which essentially like changed my outlook on climbing because um, mm-hmm. I think before then climbing to me was kind of like a thing I did once in a while um, yeah. and I think it's hard for a lot of like you know people of color like queer folks to like find you yeah, to stick with climbing because if you don't identify with the community. Um, you know, it's obviously harder to like find a reason to go back uh, or to keep coming back. Um, and I think that's something I had, you know, had found. And maybe didn't quite realize it. Why I didn't really care too much for climbing at the time. Um, so, anyways, that experience stuck with me. Moving to Corvallis, um, I was like, hey, like I wonder if there's a group um, kind of like that here. Um, I knew that there is a climbing gym being built. Um, and so they were having a garage sale that I went to, um, just kind of on a whim asked if they were, you know, thinking of starting a BIPOC climb night, you know, when the gym opened the next year and, uh, gave my information to see if anyone wanted to talk about that. And
1: mm-hmm. I think the lady
0: I spoke to looked at me like I was speaking Latin or something. <laughs> um, and I realized she probably didn't know what BIPOC meant. Anyways, the summer passed by and, I uh, didn't hear anything from them and figured they probably lost my information. No big deal. but. In fall 2020, I got an email out of the blue from from the co-owner of Valley Rock Gym, Johanna Garcia, mm-hmm. asking if she wanted to talk um, with me and and since then, um, we've created like a really strong partnership and like friendship um, mm-hmm. from that. And that's kind of where Corvallis Clamors of Color got started. And I like created an Instagram account, made my friends yeah. and family follow it and, <laughs> and like like five followers for a really long time um it kind of became almost like a blog for my journey kind of leading up to um like building this organization um and uh we debuted our first climb night a month after the gym opened in may 2021 since then, it's been we've been hosting like two climb nights, uh, two BIPOC climb nights a month, one of which is our BIPOC affinity climb night where we close the gym at 7 p.m. to create that BIPOC specific space. Um, it's probably one of my favorite nights at the gym.
1: That's uh, uh, what's up, that's what's up.
0: And uh, yeah. it has brought people from like all over like Oregon, from like Eugene, Portland, Salem. We had some folks, you know, passing through from Seattle. So just like really cool to like see all these people, like, you know, come and gather in this, in this space, so.
1: It's really dope that, uh, you know, that you just merely kind of like hearing about the, the business and then, you know, inquiring, leaving your information, not hearing anything and then hearing something and then creating an instagram and now it's like i spoke to someone yesterday that loves you know what i'm saying the two the two nights a month and looks forward to them just as you do um and the impact that you've been able to carve out that the, the space you've been able to pioneer and create for not only yourself but other people to kind of take refuge a space that's learning a place a, a, a space where people can not feel intimidated, you know what I'm saying? Not knowing as much about climbing, they can come in and get um, information and feel supported and feel safe. Um, And it's really dope that you've been able to kind of create that. I I don't even want to say on a whim, but just like, did you envision Corvallis Climbers of Color being what it is today? And it's still in its infancy, mind you, but did you have like an inkling that, yo, this can really be like a community thing and really impact and bring people together from all over?
0: If I'm being honest, I I could not have imagined kind of like where we are now. It's like, you know, almost kind of a year later
1: uh, mm-hmm. when I first
0: like created that Instagram account. And and I say that because I think, you know, there's like obviously self-doubt that factors in yeah, when I like, sure. hosted the first climb night. This was like when buildings had like max capacities. I think we'd only like fit, you know, 45 people, of course, due to COVID, but also like avenues of like traditional advertising were pretty much like cut off because most businesses were closed. Um, So this was like, I think the first time we really relied on like social media. We opened the doors at seven and uh, I was like, well, you know, if it's me, my friend, that's (laughs) great, send a picture to my mom, say we did it. Um, But uh, people like kept coming in the door and we ended up filling the gym to max capacity that night. And I think that was a really powerful like statement um that if you create these spaces if you create the access like people will come and uh you know it was me and you know obviously i didn't know much about corvallis so i was like i don't know if there are any like people yeah. Like I,
1: yeah yeah yeah
0: <laughs> I, uh, you know before i moved down there, i looked at the demographics i was like okay hey, this is like wider than portland so we'll mm-hmm. see but it shows that people are yearning for this space and this kind of community um and i quickly realized after that these nights were more than just about climbing it was about like community and support mm-hmm. and belonging mm-hmm. and representation. It was so much more than about climbing. And that has like that has guided like how I want to like kind of drive this organization. Um, I think it will determine kind of the programming that we'll like pit on. But like first and foremost is like how do we create like a safe, supportive and like comfortable environment at these climb nights to welcome yeah, everyone, sure. um, whether you've climbed herb or not.
1: For sure. I can definitely empathize with you in regards to like putting something out there and then like keeping your expectations low. And just like if it's it's one person that shows up, it's like, hey, you know, I contacted one person. But um, in spaces like like this and in in a demographic like this in Corvallis, like it means a little bit more to be a person of color. Right. And it, it means a little bit more to surround yourself with people who who understand you. Right. Whether it's just like an inside joke or a slang or something it's just those small things that just that mean the world so the fact that you you know yeah. took it upon yourself to create a space for people to come in whether they're passionate about climbing or not it's, it's like it's really dope and i commend you for that like i, I seriously commend you for <laughs> like being bold enough to take that step because a lot of people like they'll talk about it but you've done it you're doing it and you're impacting community in a real way and i talked to i think his name was jc he's from oh, arizona yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah he's from arizona just i can tell like he just kind of brightened up and kind of like when he was talking about corvallis climbers of color and the bipoc not he's like i can tell it really means a lot to him so again i commend you for like doing your thing for real for real
0: yeah thank you that means a lot
1: what kind of got you into the outdoors like i know for me i try to advocate for the outdoors from what from the little that i know but I'm I'm originally from the South, um, and okay. in the South, we do things a little different. Um, so coming up to the Pacific Northwest, I was taken aback by all the greenery, right? Because in the wintertime, everything dies, and I came here in the heart of winter. Um, yeah. So when I got here, I was like, the grass is still green? What? <laughs> like, where are all these evergreens coming from? And it was like, it was a, it was a shock to me. And then even going on my first, you know, hike slash nature walk, it was it was an experience for me. Um, it, it it allowed me to appreciate the environment um, in a real way. But when you're in environment, when you're in the environment and you see it moving just naturally, um, and you're intentional with being there, it just kind of hits you a little different. So, I've 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 since become open to. The outdoors and exploring the outdoors i haven't had i haven't went climbing yet and i haven't went camping yet and those i, I talked to somebody the other day about camping but those are two things that i kind of want to get into and try um and introduce myself to so like what's your story with the outdoors? and like how did that affinity that love and that 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 passion if you will for the outdoors develop in you
0: so i think it's, it's kind of interesting i grew up you know in the seattle area which is known for its, you know, its scenery, its closeness to like the wilderness. And growing up, my family didn't do much of that. And, uh, you know, they, my parents like immigrated to the States, you know, kind of when they're a bit older. And I think like in China and Korea, like the concept of like going outside and like camping and stuff, at least where they grew up was not, was like pretty foreign
1: um <laughs> i know as
0: you can imagine yeah it's yeah, like yeah. not something you do so um uh so yeah despite growing up in the pnw i didn't do much i guess outdoorsy stuff you know we did go like hiking like once in a while and like we did like camp a couple times um but after kind of like a scary experience where i think you know we were pretty young but like when you say we, we
1: are you referring to like you and your parents
0: oh yeah like my okay, okay
1: okay
0: <laughs> okay okay so like we had kind of one one kind of like unsettling experience where like we were camping at like a pretty popular like campground in Kamino island the party next to us was like pretty rowdy it was a pretty rowdy family and and i think they had like set our fire like they had like reset our fire um and so that just was like kind of a scary like feeling to like wake up with like a fire that was like a bonfire size like unexpectedly after that we like never went camping but it's just like that experience kind of like not tainted the outdoors but it kind of showed me that it's not always a safe place um mm-hmm. and we were like the only asian family i think in that whole campground so it kind of showed me like okay like you know this might happen and i didn't go camping uh, after that for a very long time until i pretty much uh Yeah, after I graduated college. And so there's a pretty long, pretty big deficit, I guess, of, you know, connecting with nature. Like, what did that mean um, for me? And uh, after I graduated college, I realized I wanted to like reconnect um, with being outside, being a bit more active. Like in college, I didn't do anything active. And uh, that's when I started climbing. And a couple years after that, I joined um, an organization called the Mazamas. Um, which is like mountaineering education, nonprofit based in Portland. Mm -hmm. Um, And they host like mountaineering courses. Um, And that's where I got kind of my whole introduction to like the outdoors. And what does it mean to Mm -hmm. um, be in like the wilderness? I
1: remember I was talking to Ashley and she she was telling me how like, you know, how she's kind of like falling in love with, with climbing. And just some of the smaller things or some of the deterrents and some of the things that may keep people from climbing like equipment and all, t- all type of stuff like that. And how like you guys are trying to address that. And I think that's really, I think that's really dope. But to talk about climbing specifically and for you, what is it about climbing that that, that you love? Is it a challenge? Is it the, the, the physical element? Like, like what, what is it about climbing that, that draws you to that particular outdoor activity?
0: Oh, I would say like, I would say now uh, what what draws me to climbing so much is while yes, it is like physically and mentally challenging. It is honestly the community that brings me back. (laughs) (laughs) This is this is the tie in Darius. And I didn't realize like how much that meant to me um, Mm -hmm. until I found and I guess and built that like very intersectional community that I was yearning for um, that I mm-hmm. needed in my life, and I think for me climbing in in many ways has helped me evolve, accept and embrace my identity. It has helped me work through a lot of you know internal strife in a way through through tough moments um, in life, the relationships you can create with climbing, and also like the ability to connect deeper with nature in a sense, in this case, mm-hmm. rock, enriched my life in a way that I, I didn't think was like possible. For me, it's been like a very like transformative experience to climb. And um, it's something that I've in the last few years and then with starting Crevasse Climbers of Colors, seeing the impact that it can have and seeing people who think they they look at a route and they're like, this is impossible, and then watching them complete it um to the best of their ability like and seeing like the exhilaration on their faces showing that they already have everything within them to do hard things Um, it's just like the encouragement the support that so many people don't have in their lives and Mm. so like being able to like give that to someone provide that for them in some small way is um one of the most like rewarding aspects i think of climbing for me that's
1: what's up. You got me going to climb now. Like, <laughs> All right.
0: Yeah, I, I think
1: yeah. I think it I think it's cool like it's it sounds like it's a real metaphor for life. Um the concept of climbing, approaching whether it's an indoor wall or outdoor approaching something, looking up and seeing like wow, like I'm about to try to get to the top of that and persevering through, you know, the doubt, persevering through the physical attrition persevering through the decisions of like do i want to go here do i want to go there um and ultimately getting to the top especially you know when you have that environment below you that's like like pushing you and encouraging you and like hey helping helping direct you it's like that that sounds like a metaphor for life you know so it's like uh it's really cool how you kind of tied everything in and i heard you um in the midst of that kind of mentioned identity and I saw that um you wanted to talk about the LGBTQ plus community um Mm -hmm. and what does that mean to you
0: yeah I think for a large part of my life my queer identity was kind of separate from everything Mm -hmm. and it was something that I think climbing has allowed me to like fully embrace and then and and be proud to represent who I am. And I think for a long time, yeah, like that was something I, I didn't feel comfortable, like, you know, being my authentic self. But thing is in climbing, at least the way I see, I think it's a very vulnerable sport. You're often, you're on a wall, you know, you're sometimes thinking what other people will think or if I'll fail, but that's the thing with climbing. It's is that failure is a part of the experience. And I think the more and more I climb, the more and more I am able and have come to just except being fully honest with myself and embracing like all the good things, all the bad things. And I think that has in a way like informed like how I want to like run Corvallis Climbs of Colors also to, yes it is for like, I think for me climbing in in many ways has helped me evolve, accept and embrace my identity. It has helped me work through a lot of internal strife in a way through through tough moments um, in life i do want to make it a supportive space for like bipoc but also for like queer folks to like queer people of color it's so hard to find those intersectional spaces and so in a way corvallis climbers of color is like an extension of like maybe who i am because you know when i first started climbing i never knew there was a community like that out there um for sure for sure but there is and like i'm hoping that this space can help help folks yeah
1: it already is it already i can tell you jc like. (laughs) We talked about community. I was talking to JC yesterday and he has an incredible story. Incredible, an incredible story. One that that embodies boldness, bravery, liberation, confidence. But one of those things that's kind of missing from his story is finding that community, right? Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things like I felt to, I, I asked him, I was like, do you feel supported and have you found community? And that's when he mentioned Corvallis Climbers of Color. So, you know, the things that you aspire to, like you're actually doing it. You know what I mean? Like you're actually impacting community in a weird way and i cannot say in a real way and i cannot say that enough because what you're doing is so important right the intersectionality of of you know creating spa- space for bipod um space for queer people and it, feeling safe is just like it's paramount so like it's and i can see like the conversation with jc means so much more today in the conversation with you um mm-hmm. you know seeing those two things come together is like it's it's a beautiful thing. Like it's a beautiful, 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 beautiful thing. But you mentioned that you didn't feel comfortable being yourself at some point in regards to I'm um, discovering. I don't know how to. I don't know how to put this. Is discovering your queer your 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 queer identity was it was it was it more so you trying to convince yourself otherwise, or was it trying to more so make the people around you comfortable?
0: I think it was a lot of like self like self acceptance and a lot of probably like you know not feeling not knowing other people like like me because I can't say I had like a queer community like in college because um, like I wasn't out back then and I think through climbing and through the many experiences I've had and the people I've met through the community there um, has helped me like since then I mean live a much fuller and like vibrant and authentic life. Um, and I think that is is it's like an analogy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like climbing is life and like, and I think it's Yeah, just like a lot of like where I work too, like, you know, in a very like white domain, like cis heteronormative, like, mm-hmm. workplace. Um, mm-hmm. And so I just, you know, at the time, like didn't feel like comfortable climbing, I mean, coming out, um, like, to all my coworkers (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. because that was kind of when I was first starting my career and I wanted to, you know, do a good job. Um, That's kind of what I had thought that was, you know, what I was supposed to do. And I think, you know, a lot has changed since then. And I think it's because like I now have this community that I know will support me, um, that I am like able to like live, you know, authentically. And, and yeah, it's like, It's been a journey for sure, you know, there are definitely times when I was like, I don't know if I'm ever going to find this community. I know a lot of folks like feel that too. You know, I'm hoping like Corvallis Climates of Color will hopefully like set the foundation at least the groundwork for for maybe other organizations, you know, to uh, to start. And it's evident, you know, that the more we create these affinity spaces, like the more. That they will continue to happen, and I think that's just like a really inspiring thing that inspires a lot of the work that I do too. It's like it's not just for folks here; it's like hopefully setting a precedence for for people um, in other communities.
1: That's what's up. I, I'm like I'm I'm super impressed by I'm super impressed by you and the things that you've been able to to conquer so far. Um, whether it's you know pioneering and operating in a space at the University of Washington and mechanical engineering and then you know conquering the space in the in the workforce and now you're in Corvallis carving out pioneering space I'm um, not only for yourself but for other people I'm beyond impressed like I'm beyond impressed and I don't know like I'm almost I'm like I'm inspired so you're definitely gonna see me at a Corvallis climbers of color by BIPOC next. So when does that happen? Can you kind of tell like the audience or the people listening? Like, how can they get involved in the Corvallis climbers of color?
0: Yeah, Um, so twice a month, uh, we host BIPOC climb nights. So every second Wednesday um, is our BIPOC climb meetup, which is um, held during regular gym hours. It's seven to 10pm $5 for gear and entry. And then every fourth Wednesday um, is our BIPOC affinity climb night where we close the gym at 7 p.m. to create that affinity space and also $5 for gear and entry. We usually, you know, every night, is different, but we typically, you know, do like a names in an introduction circle. And, you know, sometimes people share things about themselves. Sometimes we have a question for folks, but we also like use these nights as a platform to like share other community events. You know, there are so many rad people that come to these nights that are doing other really cool things in their lives. Um, so we also want to like make sure that these are spaces where people can like share um, what they're doing to create that connection and create that that network, and uh, you can also find us like on social media at like Corvallis Climbs a Color. We're always yeah happy to to talk and just and like be sure. less whenever.
1: <laughs> and is there a means for people to donate? Because as you're talking and as you're saying like five dollars per person, like is there a way for people to sponsor people in um, via donation or donate gear or donate something? Is there a way for people to do that, or is that in the works?
0: uh that is in the works i'll do a community call it we're currently looking for a fiscal sponsor uh to work with Mm -hmm. corvallis Climbs of color so that we can start accepting like donations Mm -hmm. and whatnot Mm -hmm. right now we're pretty much like a mutual aid organization but we're hoping to you know to create funding to you know create micro grants for like and scholarships for folks to like get like gym memberships gear travel scholarships education so
1: that's what's up. It sounds like you might have a career switch at some point um, in this process, because it sounds like it's only going to get bigger and it's only going to get more demanding. And you might be, you know, you might be operating a a pretty big nonprofit here pretty soon. So um, I'm just letting you know, prepare yourself.
0: I know, coming from, yeah.
1: I can really see this being big. Um, and it's kind of cool. I was worried. I wasn't necessarily worried. I was just curious um, on how we were going to make all these things intersect. But you did it.
0: (laughs) All right.
1: (laughs) You did it. You did it. You did it. So um, is there anything else you want to add before we kind of close out this episode?
0: Nothing. uh, Yeah, honestly, like nothing to add. Um,
1: If you got into a time machine and you were able to go back and talk to your younger self, um, what what, what would you say to your younger self?
0: I would probably say that it's going to be okay. Mm
1: -hmm. And
0: that it, will get better and that it's like okay to, I think, switch paths. Um, It's okay to take the slow and patient path. Um, And that's actually the path that now I've learned, I think through a lot of experience, that's more my speed and that sometimes things like take time to work through, but like Mm -hmm. going through that experience and sometimes it'll be really painful experiences to help you become the person that you are and so there's definitely yeah like a lot of that Matter like it'll be okay not in the the sense of like you know don't care about what's going to happen and that's mm-hmm. like a and i recognize like the privilege to say like it's going to be okay sometimes it won't but like in the general sense like trusting like your intuition because i think for so long i've ignored that in many aspects of my life and you know have done things that do not serve what i want to be or who i want to be and uh, i think it's kind of listening to that inner voice you know as kind of ooh, as that sounds and going with your gut i think that's kind of what happened with corvallis climbs of color i mm-hmm. had no idea if anyone was going to care or come to a bipod climb night but at that point in my life i didn't care if that was going to be the outcome i wasn't tied to the outcome of it mm-hmm. more of like how i believe this could help the community. Because I think people will find, uh, will like latch on to your vision if they believe that speaks to their identity. And I realize that I'm not the only one either. And so I'm realizing that you're you're not alone as much as you think during a pandemic. Mm. And so, yeah, that's, I guess what I would tell my younger self, but <laughs> only gaining through years. Hopefully a little wiser, we'll see, but.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's what's up, man. So I sincerely appreciate sharing your time with the poc color reimagine platform today um it's been an incredible enlightening episode and and again i just thank you for your time your energy um who you are this just i don't know it's just so many words that come to mind to describe just the person that i've been introduced today so again thank you so much and i appreciate i think ashley kind of set this up maybe sort of yeah
0: ashley
1: yeah yeah, shout out to ashley as well shout out to
0: ashley thank um, you
1: yes and uh again thank you so much and if you if you are not tapped in with corvallis climbers of color please tap in on instagram correct yes 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 and um that's it and that is our episode for today thank you for tapping into the color Reimagine podcast presented to you by people of color clothing thank you sam for lending her voice her energy and her story to our platform thank you ashley for setting us up and if you want to be a part of the poc platform do not hesitate to reach out Hope to see you next time. Take care. I'm gonna make your body move. Check it out.